right, back after their Easter break, the Pet Chat team, Dr. Kimberly Earl is here, ready to fire up with a, a million and one pet questions today. Absolutely. Uh, so what, what, we have a preference, dog, cat, snake, pet Whatever. husbands. Whatever, pet no. husbands. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, so If you have a problem with your pet husband, Kimberly, we'll, we'll give it a crack. <laughs> if uh, not, Cheryl Shaw, now it, as always, we're on brooch watch with you now, you're Brooch looks like it's a dog that might be in the Flintstones. Am I am I right? Uh, a little bit no? off beat there. All right. He's a bit of a hippie, and if we look at his eyes, he's got the dilated pupil, and he's really off his chops. This guy. <laughs> All right. So, so you've got a dopey dog a dopey today. Dog. <laughs> All right, and we'll get into that with Cheryl. Four nine two one six two one six. If you have a question for our pet chat team today on Two and URFM. Our lovely pet chat ladies, who I'm sure had a pretty decent uh, Easter. Dr. Kimberly, oh, yeah, doing anything exciting? Uh, I was all the way down at Threadbow in, in Kosciuszko. It'll be cold uh, down there. It snowed for three mornings in a row. It was pretty cold. We were camping. But we had a fantastic time. Still did lots of um, good, fun outdoor activities, biking, mountain biking, things oh, like that. Sounds pretty good, and except for the cold. Mm. And and Cheryl, you had a, a, a nice time as well? Well... Maybe not so nice. We were mm. full of Easter surprises on Sunday. All right, tell us about them. Okay, I'll share this because I thought this was rather an interesting thing that happened. We went down to um, to Swansea and we were about to sit down to have lunch and the people we were visiting have two Vishlas. Now, they'd gone for a little, a little hike on their canoes and then the dogs were let to run off on a little island. And while they were down on that island, there was um, a bushfire, though not a bushfire, a little campfire that somebody had had the evening before and the boys decided that they would collect the bottles that had been discarded and weren't really paying that much attention to the dogs. We got back, they got back, and as I said, we sit down to lunch and one of the dogs got off the lounge and had done a wee, which was really unusual, like never seen this happen before. And then started staggering. So we knew that something was wrong, but we didn't know what actually was wrong. So I'm going, oh, you know, when you're on the island, was there any snakes? Did they wander around? What is it? Mm. And she was really ataxic. So I'm going, we need to get to the vet. So off we go, down to Sash. And when we got there, they said, um, oh, looked in their eyes. And um, <laughs> the description that I gave them, they said, she's had marijuana. And we went, well, <laughs> where from? But apparently Cheryl, she was sniffing. No. No, not me. She oh, was me, not surprised at all by the way. Oh, come on, guys. Yeah, look at these eyes. But she had been sniffing around the campfire and obviously had picked something up there. And yep. they then said, oh, yeah, she was chewing on something, but, you know, drop it, leave it, but it's swallowed and gone as mm. dogs do as yep. you try to take something from them. So we had quite an interesting um, wait to see what was going to happen. And, um, yeah, Kim, they actually said to me that it's quite a common occurrence. It is actually really, really common. And um, the the peeing um, gives it away because it's uh. really, really common to have a dog who will present with a little bit of um, wobbliness or drunkenness on the back end, but they're often just we particularly the male dogs, they're just like squirting as they walk. Um, and that's pretty well a telltale sign of it. Um, and, you know, I guess there's, there's a fair bit of um, marijuana around in the environment these days. Not in the environment, but... You know, it's it's obviously used Around. recreationally, um, and people aren't particularly careful with it because it's got a um, a reputation for being, you know, not particularly harmful. I guess, um, but it can be in some of our pets, and it can yeah. certainly affect them um, pretty dramatically and for long periods of time. Um, I haven't ever myself. Now I don't work in emergency practice, so I've never seen a dog myself who has died from it. 
um, but some of them get really, really sick and, you know, they lose the ability to um, to walk, some of them, and, and they can have problems with swallowing and things like yeah. that as well. Yeah, well, her body yeah. temperature had really dropped and, yeah, yeah it was quite, um, quite mm. severe for her. But it was just such an eye-opener and, you know, making sure that we are really paying attention, paying attention when our yeah. dogs are off-leash, no matter where you are, because, yeah. at, you know... Some dogs just do swallow really quickly, yeah. like, uh, uh, I'm not giving you this. Whatever it is I've got, I'm taking on board. And, and it can be dangerous. Yeah, that's right. And particularly, we often find the history with marijuana toxicity is that the dogs have been off-leash um, in a bush area. Um, and like you said, campfire. Somebody's obviously been mm. having a bit of a drink and a smoke around a campfire, enjoying themselves, but not, you know, not paying attention to what they're leaving behind, which isn't great. Um, the other thing is that if you are a recreational drug user, we would always encourage you to be upfront with your veterinarian if your dog has gotten into something because accidents happen. We know mm. that. Um, we would always prefer you to not give your dogs those sorts of things or your pets full stop um, on purpose but accidents happen and it's just going to be way better for the animal if you're really upfront. we're not going to make any judgment calls we're not going to do anything report you anything like that we just need to know how to help your pet um, and that's marijuana and all sorts of other things that we you know see so would well. would that level of mm. um shall we say withholding some vital information mm. is that something that would present more often than you think as well because folks yeah. come in and go well hang on well has my recreational activity caused my dog to be in all sorts of problems yeah. so I'm, I'm going to try and let them figure out how to fix without knowing what the problem yeah, is it, mm. it just delays the treatment i've certainly had consultations where you look at the dog and you think this dog surely has had some marijuana um, and the clients will swear left, right, and say, no, nope, the dog never left my house. Nope, there's never drugs in my house. Nope, no. Nope. And then, you know, two and a half hours later, when we're now starting to, you know, talk about, well, we better start, you know, taking some high-level blood tests or, or lumbar punctures for, for CSF because maybe the dog's got meningitis. And then somebody sort of says, oh... Actually, my friend was over, and he does smoke a little bit. It's always the you know, friend. And it's like that, that's two hours we could have you know, yeah. just been helping the dog. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just let us know because it's just faster and better for everybody. Of course, Sherry, you wouldn't have gone into this problem if you haven't got, wouldn't, didn't start cleaning up other people's garbage for them. You wouldn't, wouldn't have gone anywhere. <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have good, you know. Well, the boys yeah. were doing the right thing because they thought, oh, you know, bottles left behind, clean yeah. it up, take it back off that you know, pristine yeah. little lake and yeah. um, put it in the garbage. But, you know, there you go, just... Something on the ground, the dog picks up, and away we go to the after hours. Just a threat, promise, and a guarantee all in one. <laughs> Ladies, Easter, a lot of talk before that about you know keeping the nasties away from mm. particularly dogs, but yeah, you know, probably still a few folks may have some leftover chocolates or you know past parts of chocolate have fallen down lounges and things like that. So it's a bit of a chocolate warning. Yeah, you know, if your kid's anything like my kid, the Easter chocolate seems to hang around the house for weeks weeks and like just when you think it's all gone you open up the bedroom door and pull out the drawer and it's like where did that easter chocolate just come from um so yeah be really very really mindful just because easter's over doesn't mean your pets are safe yet um and everybody should remember that chocolate is toxic for dogs the the better quality the chocolate so if you've hidden some adult chocolate that you haven't given the kids that's the stuff that will make your dog sick 
And if your kids find your secret adult chocolate stash, that's right. the stuff that's going right. to be the bad for the dogs. I feel it's um, a very over 18s uh, theme today. We've got <laughs> Cheryl with the with the dope a couple of minutes back. you got some sort yeah. of you know, chocolate body stuff. Listen, I do it. I'm, I'm sure there's other parents what do you around, do your, right? What do you do in your you own time? It's your cheap, problem. That's fine. You buy the cheap and nasty chocolate for the kids, and that way you don't feel so bad when you end up like throwing it out. Um, but you buy yourself a couple good pieces or a good packets of chocolate, and then you just sort of keep them away from the kids. Cheryl, did you notice um, how that that Kimberly completely no sold the bounce back there on the adult chocolate? That's she just, right. Just ignored yep. it. Gone <laughs> under the table. Mm-hmm. What, what, what happens under the table can stay yeah, there. That's right. Yeah, that's um, right. Any other nasties that might just be prevalent around uh, just the house yeah. generally that how about we could... Easter lilies. Um, mm. you know, well, I don't know. Do people do Easter lilies in Australia? Yeah, yeah I talked do, about right? it the week yeah. before. Yeah, because yeah, like in Canada, like Easter is spring, and so there's beautiful flowers and things like yeah. that. And Easter lilies are really big, um, and they're toxic for cats. Lilies, obviously, are really toxic for cats. Um, so you've got to be really, really careful. Um, and in fact, I would say if you have cats, don't have lilies. Full stop. Ever in your house because um, they're really dangerous. And you don't mm. get any more concrete than that, Cheryl. It's just yeah. a, it's a blanket but it's bed. It's actually very difficult mm. to buy a bunch of flowers these days that are pre-arranged without yep. lilies in them and mm. you know you really do need to be vigilant when you're buying flowers yep. i've been on a few websites where um you know you buy a mixed bouquet and then there's a tick button that says you know do they have cats yes yes, yes. do they have cats or you know exclude lilies that sort of thing yeah, yeah. Um, which is really good i think the the flower florist floral industry is becoming mm. a bit more um, aware of that particular yeah. problem, so mm, oh, that's, that's good. a good one. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that's still around is the hot cross buns. You know, so a lot of mm-hmm. those have got the sultanas in them. Just be mindful yes. of that because you know we get that yeah. hype before Easter, but then we become a little bit oh, you know, mm. a bit complacent. Yep, grapes, raisins, sultanas, cranberries. We want to be very careful careful with those and with the dogs. Right, so the hot cross buns are out. Even the chocolate hot bun, cross buns are definitely out too. Anything tasty at Easter is not good for your dog. <laughs> if, you, if you like it, it's the dog will have the, will end yep. up in the veterinary clinic. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bad plan. G'day, Jen at Woodville. Uh, your seven-year-old border collie, there might be a bit of a diabetic issue there, you reckon, Jen? Yeah, well, I, I'm not entirely sure, but there's uh, been a few behavioural changes just recently. Okay, what's One, she doing? She weighs Height well, uh, for a start, she's she's about three or four kilos overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, she weighs twenty three. The vet, the local vet, says she should be under twenty. Yep. Um, she's most recently, and it hasn't been all that hot. She's been drinking a lot more water, mm-hmm. um, and she's demanding food yep. more frequently. Okay. We go for a walk when she used to um, go for a long walk. She's now turning around, sort of you know about or oh, probably a third of the way, and wanting to come back home. Um, the reason I'm concerned is yeah. I did have a, a Border Collie Blue Heel across the same um, years ago and he was overweight and he finished up dying with the um, effects of, um, you know, a multi-system organ failure from yeah. diabetes, yeah. unrecognised diabetes. Yep, yep, sure. And this is just coming up in the last few weeks, is it? Um, yeah, probably the last month, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, it certainly could be. There are other things. Um, you're referring to her as a she, um, yeah. so I gather she's a female. Is she desexed? Yes, Excellent. yeah, she's a Good. rescue dog. Yep. Yeah, okay, great, we've, Excellent. we've had her for about three years. 
Yeah. So female dogs can develop urinary tract infections, and that will certainly sometimes cause them to drink more water, urinate more frequently. Um, Shouldn't probably affect her um, appetite, though. Um, But the thing to do is to just to go in and, and, you know, ask your vet to um, have a look at a urine sample and have a look at a blood test and, and, you know, get that confirmed. Because the sooner we identify it and start, you know, looking at treating it, um, the the better the outcome will be and the much reduced risk of her developing secondary complications like multi-system organ failure or diabetic cataracts or those sorts of things. Yep. And, um, you know, it is a complicated disease to treat, but we've got some really yep. good um, new methods and techniques and new insulins and things available in the last, you know, even five to seven years. So it can really, yep. um, you know, be managed in, in lots of dogs very well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a dog who's got an increased thirst probably an increased urination usually when they're diabetic often they're hungry and they usually do start out overweight but then they often like they're hungry but then they start to lose weight in the later stages Mm, yeah not not so dissimilar to adults and, yeah, and, you know, so, so dogs yeah. get like a type 2 diabetes. It really mimics um, a human type 2 diabetes, whereas cats, when they become diabetic, is much more similar to a human di- type 1 diabetic. So um, it's not okay. exactly the same, but, yeah, very similar. All right, best of luck with that, uh, Jen, and good luck with uh, your seven-year-old border collie. Cheryl Shaw is here, Dr. Kimberly Earle as well, and g'day, Karen, at Gressford. Uh, how many chickens have you got there, Karen? Uh, I've got 20 hands and three roosters. Oh, that's a lot. Um, and you're just looking for a general guideline for how often to treat them? Yeah, just for the um, lice and the chick. I know they're mol- a lot of them are molting at the moment. They molt at different times and they're yeah. different age birds. Yep. I've got some from Let the Ladies Go and also I've bred some myself. The roosters don't mm. seem to molt. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> <But> anyway. <laughs> different uh, hormone systems, yeah. I usually put um, uh, uh, like the fluid in their water from time to time, but it's really hard to know if they're all getting it, you know, because yeah. I have three big in the yard. Yeah, They've got sure. quite a good full range area. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're treating them for external parasites, most of the time you're going to need to use an external product for them anyway, like a, um, a powder or something like that. Um, and we need to keep in mind that the pests can be quite different. So like feather lice and, and lice um, will be on the birds, and so you'll need to treat the birds. But then some of the pests like red mite is not actually, they don't live on the bird. They go onto the bird, they suck the blood, but they spend the majority of their time actually outside or off the bird in the enclosure and so for that you're actually going to need to treat the coop um, and we use things yeah. like diatomaceous earth and things like that to treat the coop make sure you don't have any moist um, litter and, and those sorts of things they can be a, a bit of a pain to get rid of really um, for worms and things like that it's usually the in water medications that you use um, and yeah it's, it's it is hard to know if everybody's getting it but I guess we usually talk about um, you know removing the water overnight and then um, treating them sort of through the day um, and I wouldn't do it on a day when there's a um, a heat wave but I don't think we have to worry about that for the next little while hopefully Um, so general guidelines I guess I would say if you can see an external parasite you need to treat them because there isn't really a long-lasting effect for them Um, and you may need to treat them you know sort of every 10 to 14 days um, for a number of times to get rid of them. Certainly red mites can be very persistent and you might have to do you know, weekly treatments um, and weekly cleanouts of the, of the coop for a period of time. If you're just looking for a, um, you know, you don't think they have anything and you're just looking for a, a, pre- 
preventative. Um, I would sort of go in the every three to four month mark, probably if you want to be really conservative. Um, and there's certainly some people who would do it, you know, less often, maybe twice a year if they don't see an actual um, infestation. So, yeah, the, 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 the guidelines are quite wide. All right, Caroline. So cracking up a little bit there, but best of luck with uh, with the chickens there, uh, or what, all seven and the uh, and the roosters as well. Quick one up on the roads before we keep moving. If you're into the valley today, Golden Highway at Jerry's Plains, there is a nasty couple of car accident there with a couple of cars towing caravans. So the Golden Highway affected in the Jerry's Plains area. Four nine two one six two one six. If you'd like to be on with their pet chat, dog of the week, ladies. We'll find out what that's all about shortly. He's a kitty. He is. We'll see if you would like to have an addition to your family. Uh, on uh, Pet Chat right here at 2NURFM 103.7. But if you're looking to uh, add a little uh, fun to your family, uh, if you're looking to adopt a uh, dog, of course, we've got the Dog of the Week for you up on our webpage at 2NURFM.com.au. Just find the Pet Chat here and you can go through to there. Ladies, uh, a chance today to adopt Teddy. He looks pretty cute, doesn't he? A 12-year-old pug cross. 12, 12 weeks. weeks. 12 He's a weeks. puppy. He's yeah. a puppy. He's not just a baby. A, not seeing a lot of pug, just a lot of cross. He's very cute. He looks like a little terrier cross. He doesn't have a puggly face at mm. all. He is 12 weeks old, and it says he is low energy, loves going for walks and doing well on the lead. He is... Um, uh, crate trained overnight. I think my glasses are going to work his, better yeah, than yours. If I, <laughs> I lost my spot. He's crate trained at night, sleeping well, and in the process of daytime toilet training. They've described him as low energy, very cute and cuddly. Now, I would say as a 12-week-old puppy, he probably just still sleeps a lot. Mm. So I wouldn't guarantee that he will stay low energy for that long. But it's a good start, I guess. Um, loss, loves his foster family kids. Will make a perfect uh, little buddy for some older children, they think, that he um, needs some older kids. And they said that he may be a little bit of an escape artist. So And he's small, so he needs a really secure yard. So no you know, holes that he can slip out from underneath the face, fence or gate. What do you reckon, Cheryl? Teddy's a, oh, a little cutie. So cute, so cute. And I love the little photo of him in the bath. Look at him. <laughs> What a cute little dog. All right, if you would like to have a look at Teddy, because we still have some of the other Dog of the Weeks that are still there, uh, you can check it out up at the webpage, Dog of the Week. That's at the Pet Chat Area Lifestyle Programs at 2NURFM.com.au. Grant from East Maitland. Grant, uh, we're going to the back end of the dog today, aren't we? <laughs> How's it going, uh, Grant? Oh, well... Um... I think my, my dog's back end is going well now. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So your question is about how often should the anal glands of your dog need to be expressed. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So this is an interesting question because there are plenty of dogs in the world who never need their anal glands expressed ever in their life and they just manage to carry on without any trouble. But the other end of the spectrum is dogs like mine who started having problems with her anal glands from the time she was about a 12-week-old puppy. Um, and it really is a multifactorial issue. So some dogs never have problems. Other dogs start to have real chronic issues where the glandular secretions become very thick and too sp- toothpaste-like and can be very yep. difficult to yep. express. And then the gland doesn't realize that the little duct is blocked. And so the gland keeps producing material over and over and over again. And then the whole situation gets very big and swollen and painful for the dog. And that's when they start to scoot their bum on the ground and lick at themselves and things like that. They can be very irritated. Um, so my general rule is we do it as often as it's required, but only as often as it's required. Because it's obviously not a very pleasant experience. 
experience for the dog as well. And if we don't need to do it, then there isn't, you know, it, it's not a necessity. But if your dog has started scooting, I usually tell people if you see a single scoot, and then you don't see anything else, I'm not going to jump up and down about that because the actual act of scooting in some dogs will unblock the duct and then the gland can be released and it's all good. Um, but if you start to notice your dog is scooting um, you know, frequently over the course of a few days, then that's the time to get them in. And for some dogs, that's going to be monthly um, or every six or eight weeks. And for some dogs, that's going to be once or twice a year. And other dogs, it'll be never in their life. Um, it's very, very individual. I would always tell people if your dog has a history of anal gland abscess, so this is where the uh, gland becomes infected, and a lot of times those glands will rupture out the backside. So instead of the release of pressure coming out from the normal pathway through the duct, it actually breaks out through the skin. If your dog has a history of um, doing that, you know, they get one freebie, and the next time it happens, we really should strongly consider taking those anal glands out of there because they're actually a non functioning gland these days they don't need them it's not like um our pet dogs need to mark their territory with their you know their scent glands to keep you know competing dogs away and things like that so um that's the route that i went with my poor pup was that um she was having troubles i was having to express her anal glands almost on a weekly to fortnightly basis um they were giving her lots of grief and um, so I have gone down the road of having a veterinary surgeon remove them. I did not do that procedure myself because I don't like surgery, but um, I've had them done and she hasn't had a problem since. It's been, um, it is a bit of a unpleasant surgery for them. I think the, um, you know, the first two to three days post-surgery is uncomfortable, but um, you know, now she's two years old and hasn't had a problem since she was six, six, seven months of age. So that's good. Well, it's really odd because, um, I have a miniature poodle, yep. and he's 15 years old. Yep. And, um, you know, as you say, occasionally you might see a bit of a, a tail slide along yep. the floor and don't pay much attention to it. But my wife has a particular sensitive uh, sense of smell. Yes, yes. And, you know, she she kept on saying to me, and believe me, we have... We have put him through torture in brushing his teeth, yes. in in washing him you know, almost you know weekly, yep. um, uh, checking his ears to make sure that the hairs in his ears haven't sort of gone all yucky and that. Yeah. And I was, I it was really uh, out of um, a little bit of frustration, thinking, what the heck can it be? Yeah. And it was only on the weekend that I actually attempted for the first time to actually get. A result, and yeah. sure enough, as you say, that toothpastey um, extraction. Yeah. Um, so using the the nine and three position next to the actual um, rectum, mm-hmm. yep. and you know, sort of um, uh, squeezing, and yep, um, it's quite amazing what yes. was actually coming out. Yep, can um, be. Yep, but. Um, uh, and that's it. The the, the smell factor yep. has disappeared. My yep. wife is like, Eureka. Yeah, um, we fixed it. <laughs> the, the only problem is I now have this indignant look from my dog um, <laughs> when, 
when I start walking towards you. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and it can it can be unpleasant for the dog as well. So, I mean, you can continue to do it as required or you can pay somebody else to do it and then the dog can hate them and not you. <laughs> That's a nice idea, isn't it? All right, Grant, best of luck with all of that. Uh, as we wrap up a very almost uh, skirting on the edge of an adults-only pet chat today, I noticed, Kimberly you covered everything from the back end. Uh, you were talking water-based lubricant, the adults-only chocolate. Cheryl Shaw, you weren't so innocent either. We were, you started right. off uh, with marijuana. That's it. Consumption. So, mm. ladies, well done. That's it. <laughs> all right, we'll uh, catch you all next time. Uh, Thank thanks you. for your input as always. Have a great week. Thank you. Thanks. We'll see you again.